Hey guys, go to tinyurl.com slash services. You can see that we are now offering CV and letter of intent reviews, residency and job mock interviews, as well as fellowships, um, presentation evaluations, journal club ideas and walkthroughs, and any NAPLEX tutoring. So these are some of the new services that we're offering. And like I said, just check it out at tinyurl.com slash services to go ahead and sign up and get started working with us today. All right. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Rx Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Dr. Joven Lezo. And today, we have a very unique and special episode, okay? This one is different than one we've ever done before, but I think it's super valuable because I recently had the opportunity to present at UF, the University of Florida College of Pharmacy, and there was multiple students that I talked to. So I know you guys are fans. I know you're listening. So I definitely want you to tune in and hear some of the information that's going to be shared today, because what we're going to be talking about today is real estate, but the healthcare sector, not the commercial, okay? Not, not the typical, you're looking for housing and stuff like that. No, more healthcare type of real estate. So if you're interested in owning a pharmacy or interested in being part of a pharmacy clinic, this could be an episode that I really recommend you tune in, learn some knowledge and apply it to whatever you're trying to accomplish. So Before we get into today's episode, I want to introduce our guest, Colin Carr, CEO of Carr Healthcare Realty. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. All right. So because you're not coming from a pharmacy background, a lot of people are probably wondering why you're on here. So I was kind of wondering if you can kind of just introduce yourself and kind of give a brief explanation on what a commercial real estate expert is. Absolutely. So uh, I've been doing commercial real estate for uh, almost 23 years now. And about 15 years ago, I decided to specialize exclusively in the healthcare space. And, and I got even further uh, uh, in a specific niche of only being on the tenant and the buyer side. So the last 15 years, the only thing that I've done is help healthcare providers, practice owners, you know, health and wellness providers, owners with their real estate. So if you are a pharmacist and you want to own your own pharmacy, you want a retail storefront, you want a large facility, you want a, a private like compounding facility, whatever it might be that you have a need for, we help with that real estate. We work with with pharmacists, dentists, physicians, veterinarians, optometrists, anything that, that's healthcare related or health and wellness related, we handle it. And we only work on behalf of the doctor or the practice owner. So most commercial real estate agents are, are trying to list properties. They want to sign in front of the building. They want to work for the landlord or the seller. We only work on behalf of the tenant or buyer as a healthcare provider. So it's a super unique specialization in, in commercial real estate or healthcare real estate. But it's one that we we are passionate about. We are licensed in all 50 states. We go coast to coast. We have over 4,500 healthcare practices that we are doing work for right now. And again, it's, it's everything that has to do with your practice. If you want to renegotiate a lease for a practice you purchase, or for you know, a lease that you're already in, if you want to buy a building, if you want to buy an office condo, if you want to do a startup, if you want to scale and do multiple locations, anything that has to do with real estate for your healthcare business or practice, we handle. And you know that's that's our game plan. You said, what is a healthcare expert, a healthcare real estate expert? It's someone who's going to save you 40 or 50 hours of your valuable time. It's someone who's going to help capture a couple hundred thousand dollars of savings and lower lease rates higher, higher build-out allowances, higher free rent packages. They're going to protect your interests and help you with some of the, the business deal points that are negotiated, whether it's exclusivity, whether it's an assignability clause that you want to sell your business or practice and, and get removed from the lease, 
There's a number of things that we're negotiating, whether it's protecting you with with not getting gouged by the landlord, you know, going after egregious, you know, costs or overhead or maintenance things and stuff like that. So there's economic savings, there's time savings, there's there's just business savvy concepts that we work on. And then ultimately, you know, we're just trying to bring peace of mind to the real estate process. If you're going to go, you know, open your own, open your own storefront or buy a building, you know, you want to make sure that you're not making a couple hundred thousand dollar mistake or that you're not missing seeing the top options available to you or that you didn't, you didn't have a pitfall or a complication in your deal that costs you a ton of money or a ton of time. It's bringing peace of mind to the process and, and peace of mind to the transaction that you had the best team possible. You saw all your top options. You achieve the most favorable terms possible. Somebody was walking you through every step and every stage of the of the transaction, and that you had a true advocate that was looking out for your best interests. All I gotta say is I know nothing about business. So if I'm about to open up a, a pharmacy, or if I want to franchise something, get some more co- commercial real estate, definitely sounds like an expert would be needed, right? And yeah. oh, go ahead. it's the same thing. It's like like. I get it. This is maybe like a a much more complex scenario, but, you know, people go to a pharmacy versus compounding and mixing their own drugs because they want the expertise. Like you go to a chiropractor versus asking like your kid to sit on your back because you want the expertise. Like, you know, like I'm going to go to an oral surgeon and have them pull my tooth out versus me pulling my own tooth out. Like a lot of things in healthcare, you can figure out a way to do it yourself. If you want to, that's great. Or you can go to a specialist. In commercial real estate, you can do your own transaction. You can drive around and you can call on signs. You could you could ask them for a proposal. You could try to negotiate the deal. But it did happen with the, with the highest level of success, with the most peace of mind, with the most efficient time process? Or did you lose a couple hundred thousand dollars? Did you waste a bunch of your time? Did you trip all over yourself? So really the overall idea is there's a better way to do things. Just like you know, most people aren't doing their own taxes. You hire a, a, a savvy you know, CPA firm, most people aren't reviewing their own legal contracts. You hire a savvy, you know, contract attorney. It's the same thing for commercial real estate. You can do it yourself, but you're probably going to, you're probably going to lose a lot of money and a lot of time. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I was exactly about to get to that point. And something hearing you talk about, it's like you could save this amount of money or you could save this amount of time that you could be utilizing elsewhere to pour more into the business, to create more revenue and do other business like activities for yourself. So what would you say are some of the most common mistakes that you've noticed healthcare professionals might have done trying to do the contracting themselves? So the, the first one, what you just said is it's the do-it-yourself approach. I'm going to go call mm-hmm. and I'm going to go ask questions. And it seems like it's an innocent approach. Like you're trying to educate yourself, potentially the market, but you're starting the negotiation off on the wrong foot. You're communicating to the landlord who's a professional negotiator typically that you're not represented, you don't know what you're doing, you don't have a strategy or game plan, and they're going to size you up compared to other sophisticated tenants. Like that's not how it works with Starbucks or Chipotle or or Chase Bank or Lockheed Martin. Again, whether it's retail or office, doesn't matter. Savvy companies have real experts that do all the due diligence, all the all the pre-qualifying, and they're the ones that gather the information. When a doctor or an owner goes out there to start making calls themselves, they're communicating to the listing broker, to the seller, to the owner that they don't know what they're doing. It becomes very clear very quickly. And that's going to cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars in the deal. And we can break down those numbers in a, in a little bit, but just take it for what it is. It's, it's going to cost you a lot of money. So the do-it-yourself approach is number one. Another very common mistake is people will find one property and they'll go after that property and they 
they don't negotiate simultaneously on multiple other opportunities. And this is one that's very confusing because people that have done residential, as you, as you referenced earlier, yeah. in residential, you don't submit offers on three or four houses. You find one house you want and you submit a contract. If they say, yes, you're locked and loaded. Commercial real estate, you negotiate in a non-binding basis through what's called a letter of intent, an LOI, or a request for proposal, an RFP. And a commercial real estate, you're going after three or four properties at one time. You say, well, why would you do that? Because there's too many deal points that you're negotiating in every transaction that if you don't negotiate multiple landlords or multiple sellers, you don't know how one deal stacks up or compares to the market. You've got the lease rate, you've got the annual increases, you have the tenant improvement allowance, you have the, the free rent period once you open, you have the build-off period while you're performing construction. And then you have, you have another fortified economic negotiating deal points. Then you have all these non-economic business deal points. Is it a five-year lease or a 10-year lease? Do you have an exclusive? Do you have an option to purchase the property? Do you have an option to renew the lease? What happens in the event of this situation? What happens when the HVAC goes on? Who pays for a new $40,000 air conditioning unit? So there's always business deal points too that do affect the economic, but they're more business related. And so you don't, you don't know if you're getting a good deal or a bad deal or, or a fair deal, average deal or phenomenal deal, if you don't compare them to other options. And so it's kind of like looking at a, a building down the streets and how tall do you think that building is? Like, I don't know, maybe 50 feet. Well, I can tell you exactly how tall it is. If I put a tape measure on it and I go from the ground to the very top floor or the roof, it's the same concept with negotiating multiple owners. I'm not going to wonder if that's my best option or my best property. If I looked at 10 properties negotiated with four, went three or four rounds back and forth with three or four owners. I'm not going to wonder if that's the best deal for this property or if I left money on the table or if I should have been more aggressive. Like you're going to know unequivocally that's the best property for you with the best terms or or maybe you're one to pay a premium because it has benefits the other ones don't. So negotiating on one property or falling in love with one property, that is a very huge mistake. That's number two. And I'll, I'll, I'll just list a couple more. I won't break it down, but Asking your neighbors what they're paying, that's a terrible game plan because most of your neighbors or most of the other tenants in the building probably didn't do a good job with their negotiation. So yeah, you're asking someone who probably didn't do a good job how they didn't do a good job and that you're comparing your deal with their deal. So they did a poor job and you're comparing your your terms with their terms, bad idea. And then the other thing too is just, it's just you can't communicate openly with landlords and sellers. Like you think you're, you're being like, like, you know, you're being honest or transparent. Authentic in your yeah. house. That's great. They will use that information against you. Okay. It's just you just don't do that. You 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 don't you don't lie. You do not deceive. I'm not talking about being unethical, but you have to keep your cards close to your chest. If you are playing a poker match, you can't show them what you're playing with. You lose instantly. They're gonna know instantly how to beat you. you you've got to keep you know, if you're putting in a, in a sports event like you're on offense, you're not telling the defense what play you're about to run. Like we're gonna we're gonna pass the ball to the wide receiver over there like you, you have to have a strategy and so you're doing it fairly you know you're, you're doing it with strategy but you've got to go in there with the posture with the game plan and most people are just telling landlords or sellers you know what they can or can't do how much they can afford why they don't want to move you know what would you give me if i were to come here and all these things just speak to please take advantage of me and please charge me hundreds of thousands of dollars more and i won't know the difference so I could keep on going, but I think the, if you, you could capture those top three or four ideas and 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 do the opposite of what I just said or, or follow the game plan, you would be in really good shape and it would save you a significant amount of time and money. 
Definitely. And it's also tough, right? Because as healthcare professionals, we have to be authentic. We have to be trustworthy. We have to be transparent with our patients. And now we're basically doing kind of a little bit of the complete opposite by keeping everything close to our chest, negotiating with multiple people instead of just being straightforward with just one option. So it's it's definitely a game changer and, and a different mindset that you have to have. You have to go ahead and shift your mindset to think more like a commercial real estate expert rather than as or a commercial real estate agent, I should say, rather than as a pharmacist or a doctor or a nurse. And so that's something that I don't know about you. I think it can be challenging. So that's why I get a CPA to do my taxes. <laughs> you know, that's why we hire experts to kind of handle what they handle. So that way it makes your life easier and possibly can save you some money as well. So, yep, yeah, go ahead. No, I'll just say absolutely. I think, you know, the, the, the theme of hiring people who are more qualified, who, are, who have a higher level of training, greater level of expertise, who have been through the ringer and can help you avoid pitfalls and complications. I mean, that's what you're going for. If you're talking taxes or legal documents, I mean, whatever the concept is, there's certain things you can do yourself and get away with it. And there's other things that if you do it yourself, you are going to lose. Like you might, you might complete the task, but it's going to come at a very, very high price tag. Got it. And you mentioned earlier about possibly going through some numbers. So if you're able to, can you kind of explain maybe what a typical contract a healthcare professional might get? So whether it's a doctor or a pharmacist and some of the things that you would look at to adjust to make it more affordable or to make the the wording in the contract better or notice some wording to where it's like, hey, you're on the hook if something happens here and different things like that. Absolutely. So and to make it even more relevant, I mean, we've I, I personally done like little pharmacies that are inside of a hospital or medical office building that are in like 1200 square feet. We've done ones that are in a retail storefront that are in a couple of thousand square feet. And we've actually done like 30,000 square foot, you know, multi-purpose facilities where there's wow retail portion, a compounding portion and everything in between. I mean, we've done, we've done a, a pharmacy deal before that was like an $8 million transaction between, between all the different elements and components of this pharmacy. And it was a, it was a very great deal for a number of reasons, but so whether it's a 1200 square foot, you know, kind of like boutique inside of an MOB or a hospital campus, or it's a couple mm -hmm. thousand storefronts, let's just say you're around, let's say you're leasing around 2000 square feet. That'd be a, a reasonable size space, maybe a little small, but reasonable. If you, if you overpay by like, let's say two or $3 a square foot, which is very easy to do. And, and, and not just because what the landlord was asking, but maybe the landlord was, was way higher than the market. And even if you got them to come down on their asking rent, they could still be a couple dollars a foot above where you should have been if you were properly represented. Or if you did a renewal and your lease increases every year, which they do 99% of all leases have an annual increase that ratchets up. And then you get to the end of that five or 10 year term, you're probably above market by a couple of dollars a square foot. So if you overpaid on 2,000 square feet by $3 a square foot, that's $6,000 a year. $6,000 times 10 years is $60,000 of additional payments that you could have avoided if you were properly represented. And that's not $60,000 of revenue because when you bill a dollar, you don't keep a dollar. You've got, you've got overhead, you've got, you've got operating costs. So you know, whether you're on a 25% profit margin or an eight, a 75% profit margin, you know, that $60,000 mistake is probably a couple hundred thousand dollars of revenue to pay the bill for that mistake. And then you have concepts like free rent allowances. You should be getting free rent on any deal you do, whether it's a, a brand new deal in a, in a brand new location or it's an lease renewal. You should be getting free rent on any deal you do. So if you're paying you know, 3,000 a month of rent or 5,000 or 8,000, depending on the size of the facility, 
And then you don't capture the the three or four months of free rent that you should have if you were properly represented. You know, here comes another fifteen, twenty thousand dollars of lost concessions. Um, that affects your overhead, it affects your profitability, et cetera. If you need to renovate your space, you have two choices. Either you come out of pocket for that, or you don't renovate and your space doesn't look as nice. Like the floor is not as nice, the ceiling tiles, the lights, you know, the the, the transactional carters, the, the check-in, check out stuff doesn't look as nice and that affects your referral pace. It affects the way that people perceive your practice. It affects the way your staff feels about your practice. So if you don't capture the build-out allowance, you should have the renovation allowance, then you're either going to have an inferior space or you're coming out of pocket or you're going to borrow more than you should have. And now you're paying interest on additional money because you should be getting money from the landlord to help keep that space in really high quality condition in exchange for a long-term lease to start or a long-term renewal. You get a cost of like annual increases. Is it a 2% increase or is it a 4% increase? Or is it tied to the CPI index? Well, there's again, there's a lot of there's a lot of variables there. We've yeah. seen inflation the last couple of years. We're at a 40 plus year high. If your annual increase is tied to CBI, you probably got hammered the last couple of years. So again, like you you could have your rent jump disproportionately to what it should have. It should have gone up three percent and now it just went up eight percent the last couple of years. And so now again, you're 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 losing hundreds per month or or thousands per year or what have you. So there's a number of areas where you can negotiate concepts and negotiate, you know, for, for more competitive savings. And I'm not talking about taking advantage of people to where yeah. they're bankrupt. I'm just saying, look, there's a margin in every deal. Like there's a margin where the landlord, the landlord will not go below a certain number, but they'll still do the deal with that number. They'll still be very happy. Maybe that's like an 8% return for them. Well, they're pushing for a 24% return. And that margin of whether it's at an 8% return for them or a 24% return, there's a couple hundred thousand dollars either in their favor or in the tenant's favor. So you're trying to capture that. And I'm using eight and 24 as just arbitrary numbers mm-hmm. they're underwriting, but there's a margin in every deal. It's not just like, hey, you know, it, I, I, you know the Ford dealership, it has to sell at this price. Otherwise they lose money because they bought it from Ford manufacturing at this price. That's not how it works. There, there's margins and there's interest rates and there's there's ways that they can underwrite deals and they can, you know, they can finance deals differently. And so you're just trying to capture as much of that money as you possibly can to where you can do the deal and you're happy to where they can do the deal and happy, but you can do that by saving a couple hundred thousand dollars on a deal, whether you, whether you think there's that much money in the line or not. Yeah. And, and it seems like it's coming from multiple different points, right? Whether it's saving on the square footage, whether if it's saving on interest rates or having the proper terminology, like you said, if it elevates with the consumer price index, or if it stays, which was the CPI, or if it stays kind of at a minimal 3% every single year, that's a big difference. That's a big difference on a lot of money over time, whether it's a five or 10 year deal. So it seems like there's a lot of different avenues or point of views that you can kind of go in and tweak things around to make it more beneficial for both parties. And that's really what it's about. Okay. And listening to you talk about this, it also led me to, to to ask you this, when it comes to pharmacists or even doctors, when they're looking to open a space, have you had much experience with new physicians, like a new office, they've never had a business before, and also people who are trying to like franchise and, and kind of spread out? Yeah, anything you could imagine. So the, the, the very first business or practice on a scratch start to people that have, have owned multiple, you know, facilities in the past, the people that are scaling at a high level. So everything mm-hmm. in between 
clients that we're helping them to do their very first office. They've never done it before. They've never even worked for someone before. They're just going right from like yeah. school to, to jumping in. That's great. A lot of people, maybe they were an associate or they were an employee somewhere for a number of years and they're starting all the way to, we have clients that have, have thousands of locations and we're doing like 30 or 40 deals for them at one time all across the country, different markets. So anything in between, it's really the same process every time. It's, you know, it's defining the requirement, you know, mm-hmm. what, what's the vision of the, of the business? Is it to service a certain segment of the, of the population or, or providers? You know, what are you trying to accomplish? Where do you get your business from? Is it direct marketing? Is it referrals from other providers? You know, just what's your business model? Where do we need to be located? What's the square footage needs? What's your budget? What are the things we want to avoid or stay away from? Stuff like that. So we're just, we're trying to define the requirement. We're, we're whittling down options. And then once we identify the top three or four properties, we start negotiating and we just start going down this process. And if it's involving a build out, we're getting an architect involved. We're getting a contractor involved. You know, we, we're getting letters involved for financing because there's, I just, as you know, specialty letters that, that really mm-hmm. are to certain niches in healthcare that they, they like pharmacy or they like, they like vision care, they like veterinary. So finding those people, et cetera. And, you know, and then just kind of walking through the entire process, you know, sometimes you got to get a good CPA involved to help figure out the tax strategy with depreciating the, you know, the FF and E or sold out like that. And so whatever the need is, we're helping them to hold their hand, bringing in a good real estate attorney, you know, maybe introducing them to marketing firms, whatever they're looking for, we're going to try to help them assemble the best team. And then we are taking care of the real estate portion now. Perfect. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask if you also provide some yeah. consultant services, cause like I said, I talked to some students and it seems like they kind of want to get started right out the gate and they probably don't even know the best way to run a business. So it's like, what do they need in order to get in touch with you? So it sounds like a business plan, have a solid business model, have an idea for the type of patient population that you'll be servicing different if referrals are needed to get in about how much square square footage you need and different things like that. And if and something you also answered is whether or not if things need to be remodeled. So you also have the capabilities to like reaching out to architecture, architectures or different people to kind of remodel a commercial real estate space to benefit that pharmacy or that doctor's clinic or dentist, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly it. There's no one size fits all. It's just kind of a process of just you, you collaborate, you work together, and then you, you ultimately figure out what's available, what are the options, what can you afford, where do you want to be, like what, you, what don't you like. And then we, we come together with a game plan and, you know, it's a, it's a very, it's a very high contact, high communication process. And it, it takes some energy and effort, but it's, it's got a, a very exciting uh, outcome or reward once it's completed. Definitely. Okay. And with that being said, when it comes to somebody that might be fresh out of school or somebody trying to start a new business versus somebody starting a franchise, is there a difference in if you would prefer for one of them to rent versus actually like own this uh, commercial real estate? Do you really have a preference for either one? You know, both, both have, have, have pros and cons mm-hmm. and say cons. I don't, it's not something that's a detriment. It just means it's maybe slightly, slightly different than the other option. You know, when you're leasing, the landlord is going to typically give you a free build out period. So you're not going to be paying rent while you're constructing the space. You can typically get free rent once your door's open too. So that all speaks to borrowing less money, less payments, higher cash flow, especially early on. When you're when you're renting, the landlord is covering other costs as well. They typically give you money to build out the space. That's less money you're gonna borrow, pay interest rates on as well. And so renting has some very, you know, some very strong positives to it. 
where from a cash flow perspective, you usually give you higher cash flow, less pressure on you, borrowing less money. It gives you more flexibility for the future. You can start in one location. And if you decide five or seven years you want to move, then you have that flexibility. And so there's a lot of pros with leasing. And then from a tax standpoint, you write off that entire payment. So you're, you're getting a full deduction for that full payment every month that you cut that rent check for. When it comes to ownership, the, the pros of that are every month you cut a check, you're paying down principal. And so your net worth is increasing. You can't write off the principal portion, but you can write off the interest. You can also depreciate the commercial real estate asset as well, too. So you pick up some additional tax deductions. So less of the monthly payment uh, becomes deductible on just a, cutting a check to your lender versus you know cutting a check to a landlord. But there's ways to then strategize that and create an entity that owns the real estate to where the practice still gets the full write-off of the rent payment to the entity that you own as the landlord. And so then you can start getting to higher levels of tax deductions while still capturing the principal pay down, if you will. But you're paying during the build-out. You're, you're not getting free rent. If something goes wrong, you're carrying the full burden of replacing the systems or you know, you've got to take care of the entire maintenance and management of the property. And so there's definitely a higher level of time involved or you have to pay someone to do it for you, which is an additional cost, et cetera. There's less flexibility there too. Like if you buy a building and five years in and decide you don't want to be there, that's a very expensive proposition to have to sell the property and go to another location compared to just renting where you can, you know, you, you can move in and out of properties a little bit easier. So pros and cons of both. I'm a big fan of commercial real estate ownership. Okay. I always tell people, can you see yourself here for the next 10 to 15 years? If you can, let's look at it. If you don't think you might not want to be here for five years, it's not like a house where everyone needs a house. You build this thing out as a pharmacy, you have a very small margin of people that might want this in its current condition. Everyone else going to want to scrape it clean or, or repurpose it. So if it's a short-term use, let's go leasing. Let's pick up those concessions. If you can see yourself here for 10, 15 years, let's look at it. And then other questions that come into play are, number one, can you afford it? A lot of times owning costs a lot more than leasing. And so you might not be able to afford it. Another concept is, do you have the down payment? You might not be able, you might be able to afford the payment, but if you don't have the down payment to get into the deal, yeah. you might be able to do it that way either. And then another concept, is, is just simply, are there any properties available that meet your needs? Like you might say, I've got the down payment, I can support the cash flow. And then you might say, but I need to be in this specific area. And there might not be a single property for sale. Like again, it's not like residential, there's always a house for sale in every neighborhood at some point in time. You know, you can get into certain intersections or trade areas in commercial real estate, and there might not be anything for sale except for a $25 million shopping center, which you can't afford, but there might not be a standalone building or you know, a retail storefront available. And so you might say, I, I want to own, but you have no options. And so supply, inventory, that all plays into it too. So you got supply, you got economic concessions. Can you afford it? Does it help your cash flow? Do you want to be here for the, the long haul? So you got to check all these boxes on the ownership side. And if you do, ownership is a phenomenal way to build your net worth, to create a second asset in the form of commercial real estate in addition to your practice. But leasing's got a lot of benefits too. And so case by case. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounds that way. And hearing you talk about how yeah. one of the tough things can always be that down payment, right? How can they afford it? Especially if they're starting off on a new. I don't know if you're able to speak to this, but when it comes to funding, do you know how some of these people gather funding? Is it just a startup company and they just try to find people? Or do you also have connections with people who can provide funding? Any investors? 
Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to do it. Number one, you want to get a really good lender that understands pharmacy. And so that might seem extremely specialized, but there are a couple of lenders out there that really do understand pharmacy. Now, here, here's a, a disclaimer. Almost every bank in the country is going to say, we love healthcare. Yeah, we love the idea of pharmacy. They do, but it doesn't mean they actually understand it. And so there's a very significant difference between types of lenders. There's going to be some lenders that will say, yes, we'll loan you the money, but we want you to put uh, a ton of money into the deal. And we want to get paid back within five years. There's other lenders that will say, we'll do no money down depending on the transaction and we'll take you out 15 years because we believe in it and they have experience there. And so if you're doing a project like a build out of a, of a retail space or an office space, you typically get 100% financing for that. No money down, 10 year, 15 year term. And, and even maybe some concessions like no payments for the first like six months or four months or letting you kind of ease into it. Very favorable. Other lenders are going to require a big down payment, five, seven year term, shorter term. That's going to compress your cash flow and make it more challenging on you the beginning. So you want to find a lender that understands healthcare. And then on the commercial real estate side, there are some lenders that if you have an established practice or you have a proven record, they actually will still also do 100% financing even for commercial real estate ownership. Yeah, you got to check a couple specific boxes for those lenders typically, and not everyone will, but there are lenders out there that will do that. Um, if you don't check all those boxes, typically as a pharmacist, you can still buy commercial real estate for a down payment of around 10 to 15% of the real estate itself. Not the build out as well, but just the real estate in its, in its you know shell condition or its current condition before renovation. And most of the time you're bringing that money from just from savings or from, you know, you might have, you might have friends and family, you might borrow the money from a parent, you might get a gift, you know, hopefully you've got maybe something, maybe you have a 401k you could borrow against or a life insurance plan, like that. But hopefully you just have it in savings. Hopefully you a hundred, 200,000 or whatever it is, you can just take it out of your savings account. If you don't, you can get creative in other ways. Most of the lenders do not want you to bring in an investor though. Number one, they're, they're going to shy away from that for a number of reasons. They want you as the healthcare provider to own the practice, have no one else taking money out of your cash flow per month, putting pressure on you to do something that's maybe different than you want to do. And so they're going to encourage you to hopefully, you know, have the money yourself or, or maybe get a, a gift from a friend or family. And if you don't, they might still lend you the money. There's some lenders out there that will require a 10% down pay, but then they'll give you the 10% in a separate loan. So it becomes hundred percent financing. So the, the summary here without getting too complex is you want to get a really good healthcare real estate lender that understands pharmacy. And if you do, you're going to have a much higher uh, probability of getting in with a lower down payment with more flexibility. And that's very desirable. So. Okay. And would you say that it would be nice to probably have anywhere between a hundred to $200,000 in savings in order for you to start searching for a, a commercial real estate property? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a couple ways looking at it. If you have a really solid practice that has a good cash flow, then then your liquidity is not as important because they're going to look at like the equity of your practice, the value of your practice, if you're to sell it. And a lot of the lenders that specialize in pharmacy lending, they'll use the the equity of your practice or the value of your practice, but they can use that as a down payment collateral, if you will. But yeah, I mean, it, it just depends. If you're going to go buy a million dollar building, then yeah, you probably want to put about 10% or $100,000 into that deal. And they might want to have some additional reserves. Like a lot of lenders will say, great, here's the down payment, but you also have to have like six lots of payment reserves in an account. So it's not just, can you buy it? Can you actually afford it or float it for six months? If it's, if it takes longer to get up and running or open, that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, 
there's, there's no one size fits all. I mean, you might find a beautiful building or an office condo or something like that for 500,000 and only need to put down 10%. It could be 50 grand. It could also be, you know, you also might need to put up three, four hundred thousand dollars to get at the building that you want to get into. So everyone's a little different, but 10, 15% down payment should get you there with most healthcare lenders. If you're buying the real estate, if it's just a, a, a tenant improvement build out and inventory mm-hmm. in a lease scenario, you should be able to get a hundred percent financing for those transactions. Perfect. Thank you for that. Yeah. Cause I know me thinking, Hey, if I'm opening something up, I have no idea about how much I need. What I need, all I know is, hey, this is valuable. This is what's needed. I know how to run the pharmacy, but I don't know how to run these outside things or how much money I would need to contribute to something. So general 10 to 15% down, try to have that in savings could be beneficial to go ahead and get approval from a lender for that commercial real estate property that you're looking for. Yeah. And yeah. a good lender too will help you with your budget. Like like a good pharmacy lender, they know how much you need for the build out versus inventory versus marketing versus like working capital for like signage or for, you know, hiring staff. Like they, they know what it costs to do a pharmacy. And that's why I said it, it's, you want someone who doesn't just say, we like pharmacy. You want someone who says, we, we lend to pharmacists hundreds or thousands of times per year because they understand what you don't understand. And, and, they won't do it for you, but they'll give you a lot of information that will kind of leave drums for you along the path that so you know where to go and how to do it. Perfect. And do you have access to some of these commercial real estate lenders or is this something that they got to go and search on their own? No, we, we have access. And depending Perfect. on what they do, we'll try to pair them with the right lender. Like we have a couple of lenders. Like if you said, hey, I want to buy a $5 million building and no money down, that's going to go to one or two very specific lenders. Whereas if you just said, hey, I just want to build out uh, a leased space, borrow $500,000, that's going to a, a completely different lender that doesn't do real estate. So th- there's definitely different, just like the different types of pharmacists, there's different yeah. types of lenders that are really specific and you're, you're better off to find yourself getting with the right one early on because you don't want to go submit applications to three or four people only to find out that none of them are really the best fit. They can get a deal done, but they're... Mm-hmm. they're Best terms, they're going to require more down payment, higher interest rates, you know, tighter, shorter amortization. You want to find the right person for jump. So for us, it's really just what's the transaction? And then we point you in the right direction. And in an ideal scenario, you would be talking to at least more than one lender too. You want to talk simply just like real estate. Look at two or three properties, talk to two or three lenders. And then that way, again, you're not wondering, is this the best loan for me? Like if 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 two lenders say no money down and one says 20% down, well, it's pretty obvious that, you know, which one's got a more competitive deal. And then if out of the two that said no money down, one's at a, a, a 5%, one's at an eight and a half. Again, you're not wondering, did I get a good deal? You know, you got the right deal. Okay. Thank you for that. And hearing you talk about all these different things, all these different concepts that most healthcare professionals are unfamiliar with. One of the things I I really wanted to ask you is how can someone who wants to start a business find a commercial real estate agent that has their best interest at heart? What are some of the qualities? Is there a certification? Is there like a title like they're a fiduciary? What is it that we can do to know that this person has our best interest? Yeah, that's a great question. So I I would give a couple of tips on that one. Number one, I would say if you're going to be operating as a practice or business owner, you're going to be a tenant or buyer of the transaction. So I'm not talking about you buying a building and leasing it to somebody else as a landlord. So let's forget about being a landlord or an investor. 
let's talk about you being a tenant or a buyer trying to open your own your, your own facility, buy your own building, lease your own space, you're a tenant or buyer. So in that scenario, it's extremely important that you have someone who's representing just your unique needs. Like you said, they have a fiduciary just to you. What that means is hire a broker that also works for the landlord of the property that you're leasing. They, they have a conflict of interest. They have a legal fiduciary to help that landlord capture the highest return possible. They can't do the same thing for you. And so it's, it's the idea of like, if you're being sued by someone, you can't share an attorney with the person that's suing you, okay? Yeah, but you have opposing interests. If the IRS comes and says, hey, Joven, we're going to audit you right now, you're not going to say, great, would you also represent me and give me tax advice? They'd say, no, get your own advisor yeah. coming against you for this reason. So when it comes to commercial real estate, you've got to find a broker, an agent that doesn't have a conflict of interest. They're only representing your interests. So that's the first question. If I were to hire you, are you representing any landlords or sellers in the area that I'm looking either currently or are you trying to capture more listings in the future? Because if so, I don't want to work with someone who's going to use me as bait to get a conversation with the landlord to get their future listing. And I'm not going to work with someone who's already working for landlords or sellers in the area because you're going to have to then disqualify yourself from presenting me on those properties. And so I'm, I'm going to be left to my own, you know, my own advisory, hiring you to be my exclusive agent, not on one property, not the other. So question one is, if I were to hire you, you know, would you have no conflicts of interest? And then you can walk through that. Number two, do you have experience with healthcare? Like how many healthcare deals do you work on per year? How many healthcare deals does your company work on per year? Those are really important questions. And then also just the question of, you know, like why, why would you be the best person to represent me? Like what's your game plan? What's your strategy? And you'd be amazed. Like I'm going through a lot of concepts on this podcast. You'll find a bunch of people out there that their objective is to help, you know, find you a space and then try to get you a good deal. That's not a game plan. Like that's just like a, like that's, that, that's a, a really poor way of doing real estate, but a lot of brokers out there is like, yeah, you know, I'll find your property that works for you. And, you know, we'll try to get you some good terms. Like that's not a good game plan. So when you're, when you're asking questions, when you're calling people, a great question to ask people like other pharmacists or other health providers. Do you know anyone? Have you worked with anyone that you were really impressed with? Could you point me in the right direction? If you have any equipment or, or merchandise reps or technology providers or lenders that you know are in the healthcare space, do you know anyone that specializes in healthcare real estate? That's a great question. And then when you get those people, or if you just search online, search Google, search Bing, whatever you search, ask the questions, you know, like real estate broker, healthcare real estate broker, pharmacist real estate, whatever you search. When you get that person, ask the questions. Do you have a conflict of interest? How many healthcare deals do you work on for a year? What's your strategy, your game plan? Why should I trust you? And you're going to know really quickly whether or not you've got someone that you want to be the, the face of your franchise, you know, the person that's who's leading the charge of your real estate strategy, or you're going to say, that's pretty lackluster. I think I'm going to go on to a second or third person. And I would tell you this, don't settle in this area. Like, don't, there's too much money on the line. If you mess up, it's going to cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars. So don't settle. Like if, if you talk to someone and you're not fully convinced that they're the best fit for you, make another phone call. Got it. And so to wrap things up, what would you say is one message you would like to leave our audience with today? I would tell you that the savviest business owners, whether it's healthcare or otherwise, they, they specialize in their world and their area. That's when they spend the vast majority of their time. And then any other area where they can bring in a specialist, they bring in a specialist. They're bringing in a website person. They're bringing in an SEO person. They have a tax advisor, a tax attorney. They have a great 
they have a great legal contract attorney. You know, they've got a credentialing person. I mean, they bring in specialists in the areas where they're not as qualified or don't have the skill set, and they surround themselves with experts in every area. People that that have a, a team or an arsenal of experts around them, like those people that get the most done at the highest level have the highest quality. And I, I think it's the same thing for anything. I, I, I use these analogies of tax or or legal or marketing or whatever it is, but you know, I'm not building my own website. Like I've got it, I've got a company that does that for me. Yeah. I'm not trying to gas my own SEO. I probably could. I probably could, but we have an SEO specialist. Like we just you bring experts and they get you better results. It costs money to bring in most of these experts, not all the most, but you get a much higher return and you get a much better value. So I, I think the message is just surround yourself with the most qualified, capable people that you want to go shoulder to shoulder with. And they're going to make you, they're going to make you be grateful and thankful that you're not wasting your time in those areas, but they're going to help you be a lot more successful in my opinion. Definitely. And I completely agree. Just coming from the pharma pharmacy perspective, if you're going to build your own pharmacy, you're going to need techs, right? You want some of the best techs that are in your area. You want to surround yourself with experts that are doing what they're doing. You want to have other great pharmacists there working for you. You want to have great relationships with great doctors if you're trying to have a collaborative practice agreement to, to do some ambulatory care type things with these patients. So this is something where it's happening all around you. You may not realize it, but it's happening all the time all around you. People who put themselves in successful situations always surround themselves with experts to assist them to get to the goals that they want to get to. So if you want to go ahead and start a pharmacy, I don't know a better ad than right now. Listen to Colin. Definitely check out Car Healthcare. Reach out to Colin and definitely, definitely, definitely seek his services. Because if you're looking for any commercial real estate in the healthcare sector, this is something you need to do. Because you're not an expert in this, but you need to surround yourself with an expert to help you get to the goals that you want to accomplish and to help you find the right property for you. So Colin, before I let you go, is there any way for anybody listening to get in touch with you? Is it email, Instagram, social media, is anything? Yeah, absolutely. The best way to reach us is our website, and that is car.us. So C-A-R-R.us. Upper right-hand corner of our website, you can click to find an agent in your state or your market. We are, we're coast to coast. We're licensed in all 50 states. So if you want to have an initial conversation or consultation, if you want to ask questions, our, our team will be happy to talk to you, educate you, direct you, introduce you to people, whatever your need might be. And then if you're the type of person that would like to get a little bit of additional information and education in an area, we have a tremendous resources tab that has literally hundreds of FAQs, glossary, articles, tips and tricks. So you don't have to become a commercial real estate expert. You can just call someone, they'll take care of it for you. But if you like to self-educate or if you just want more information, or if you find it fascinating, we can give you a lot of information, keep you busy for a very long time. And it's just a, a great place to get information. So C-A-R-R.us. And then that starts the, that starts the journey of the process for you. All right. Thank you so much, Colin. It was a pleasure to have you on. I learned a lot. I'm sure people who are listening learned a lot. I had no idea this was a thing. So I'm glad to know it is one now. In case anybody's interested in opening their own pharmacy, I can definitely recommend your website so they can get in contact with someone in their area to help them accomplish their goals. So thank you again, Colin. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. Did you learn something valuable from this episode? Then I highly recommend you like, comment, follow, and subscribe to our new YouTube channel at new underscore capsule rx podcast and we're also on instagram and tiktok with the same name at new underscore capsule rx podcast on all platforms